Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Open Mic. I'm Logan. We got the whole crew here. We got D-Chan, Jared, and Coco with us today. Glad y'all are joining us. Uh, And we actually just came up with this podcast topic. We shifted gears. We had another idea, but then we started just rattling some stuff off. We had uh, the juices flowing, and we're going to talk about five things. We nicknamed this the Core Five, that if you do these five things, your life's going to be better because of it. Uh, I'm hosting. Jared typically hosts. Uh, how do you feel, Jared? Not in the host seat. I feel like I got booted out of first string, but it's fine. If my performance hasn't been good enough, I get it. The Chris Harrison of High Street. We're we're we still appreciate you. So Thanks. or the Ryan Seacrest. Who's the host of The Bachelor? Chris Harrison was was Chris was Harrison. Was Chris Harrison. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we are going to be talking about gratitude. Got to pull it up again. So what happens when you do it on the fly? We're going to be talking about gratitude, serving, generosity, encouraging others, and friendship. So D-Chan, hit us with gratitude. Why does gratitude matter? Yeah, I think gratitude matters because um, we live in a world where it's so fast-paced. And so with that being said, we can just take things for granted. Um, We just treat everything as just life. Um, It's normal. It starts being complacent. Um, And the reason I got to thinking gratitude would be so important for young adults is when I went back to Branson yesterday night to spend the night. Uh, for Into the free home of the brave, Branson, yeah, Missouri. On. I love love my shows down there, my Grand Country Buffet, my Vintage Paris shout-out. Still looking for my uh, uh, my sponsorship. But Branson, for those who don't know, is where me and my wife, Carolyn, spent six months after we got married. And so when I went back, I just got to just really reflect over the memories we got to share a lot of foundational um, truths and building blocks that were set by God as we just spent six months there learning what it looked like. Um, and I was just thinking, man, I didn't really appreciate much of that until I just came back. Um, and so that you can take that picture and broaden up to our own lives. It's like, what is God doing and what has he been doing in our lives that maybe you might have not taken for granted? Um, and I think it's just so important in this season as we're finishing out the year, if we can look back as a whole, as a team, um, to see what God's been working. So, Jared, anything to add to gratitude? Oh, Coco, you had some. Mm, I do have something. Um, I think gratitude is so important for us as believers because, um, you know, God gave it all to us. He sent his son to die on the cross for us. And I love First Thessalonians 5.18, and it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And oftentimes we can be like, what is the will of God? Like, it's this mysterious thing. I love that right there it's plain, and it's like, okay, hey, this is the will of God to give thanks in all circumstances. And when we are thankful, when we are giving thanks to God and um, showing that gratitude to God and to other people, like, I think that does something to us. It changes, like, our heart posture. Instead of saying, like, man, we deserve this. I want this. It's like, look what God has done. And we get to glorify God when we are grateful and showing gratitude. Uh, Gratitude for me can be, like, a massive attitude corrector. Like, when I'm just, like, looking at the problem and, like, man, I'm the only person that sees this. I'm the only person that feels the weight, responsibility in this problem. And then I'm like, okay, I'm, when I see a problem, I get tunnel vision. I get like self-focused. Everybody else is like, well, you don't get it. I'll shut you out. But gratitude is like, no, God's taking care of me. That person is not the enemy. It's like the, it has to get off of myself and onto like, what has God provided? What has God done? Mm-hmm. How have people helped me? How has God's people helped me? Mm-hmm. Um, and it just corrects my attitude from a me focus to thankfulness and yes. what God's done. And I think, I mean, I can get cranky sometimes. I'm just going to be honest. And if I'm cranky, I probably do not have an attitude of gratitude. And so it gives us a reset. 
Yeah, something that um, in my house, I have, I had two other roommates. One of my sisters got married, so I have one roommate right now. But what we started at the beginning of last year was we had this jar and we had note cards. And we're like, we want to be intentional about thanking God when he does big things and when he does small things. So over the last year, we have this jar like in our living room. And um, if something good happens, we're constantly like, hey, did you put that in the jar? Because what we're going to do at the end of this year, which I'm really looking forward to, is go through those note cards. And we're going to like just praise God for what he's done. And it's been so helpful because there's been times it makes me be thankful even when I'm like I don't want to write anything in the jar and my room like did you put that in there I'm gonna put that in there and uh that has been a really like helpful thing I'm like I want to do this like from now on and um and it really does shape I think the way we view our life and I see that jar full and I'm like oh my word this is all that God has done plus even so much more than that let's shift gears serving why does serving matter so much for young adults? We talk about serving in the church all the time. We talk about serving the people around you. Uh, Jared, why Why is service and why you, you've said something we say all the time here. You're the first person I ever heard say this, that the joy of Christian life is found in serving God and serving others. Uh, unpack that. I think we have the tendency to be, to be bulls, to be collectors. And we need to we need to be funnels. We need to have what's poured into us poured through. And if we're not if we're not growing, we're stagnant. We're grow. I mean, what 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 collects in us is not always good. And I think if we're serving people, I think if there's something pouring out of us, it's going to require that we're being filled up. It's going to require that we have all the things that the Bible tells us to. Whether it's spiritual disciplines, reading our Bible, praying to God, fasting friends, community, being known intimately, knowing, reminding yourself of your need for God. All those things are like, if you're serving people, you're probably needing to do those things. Um, and it reminds you um, how much God served us. Um, it's, to me, it's like whenever I see someone stop doing any kind of serving because life gets crazy, it's like, it's like the biggest red flag that I could, if I could pull them in and say, please don't. Find a way to still serve because it's like sometimes you just see it as something on your calendar and you're like, well, I go to the gym, I work, I go to small group, I see friends, I, I do all these things. And it's like, well, serving is just like an extra thing. It's not. It's absolutely not. And I think it does more for our soul than we realize to pour out. And when you start to pull back on it, I think it does bad things and you start to just collect instead of pour out. One of the things I think of when you say that, uh, you kind of talked about like serving is an extra thing or when people stop serving. I, I don't know, I don't have uh, know where I'd point to scripture to affirm what I see uh, in this, but I often see within the church setting what typically follows after someone draws back from serving is kind of a critical spirit creeps in. And usually that person's trajectory is not one that I would say is positive. And now I certainly understand there's seasons and times where someone needs to make a change. We all understand that and know that. But I think something happens in us spiritually when we pull back from serving. I don't, I don't, like I said, uh, I don't, I don't know what that dynamic is, but I've seen it happen a lot of times with young adults is someone who is highly invested, highly involved. They, they start to pull out slowly from everything they were doing and their community kind of unravels and falls apart. It's just kind of a danger thing that I see. Uh, and, and like I said, I think, I don't know if y'all have anything to add to that. Yeah. I think, I mean, we're created to serve. 
Like, I, I think if we are going to get our example of how to live our life from Jesus, what did he do? He came not to be served, but to serve. And um, man, if we're getting our example from Jesus, then that means like we need to pour our lives out. And we, with young adults, our young adults team, I think earlier or last semester, we talked about how we want to pour our life out. There's a verse that talks about pouring our life out like a liquid offering to God. And that's what we want as believers to not be people who are like, man, we kept it, we kept it all in and we didn't give to other people. We didn't contribute to the local church. Uh, we want to be people who are like, man, we gave it all and it's so worth it because, man, Jesus died for the church. So I want to invest my life in a place where like we can we can take it to the bank. Like the Bible says the gates of hell will hell will not prevail against the church. So therefore I want to invest my life in the church. I want to serve and I don't want to be at the end of my life being like, man, I could have done more. I, I want to add one thing I just heard on the radio this yeah. morning. I listened to Dan Patrick show. Um, love anybody Dan Patrick show? You guys? Anyone? I love it. Uh, and anyways, he's a sportscaster. He told this story. He was at a grocery store uh, and he walked in. Someone had on the name tag, had on the vest, and he goes, "Hey, where are the olives and like the salad dressing?" And he goes, "Not cl-, the 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 lady answered him, not clocked in right now," and just did not answer where it was. And I'm like. That lack of service, like how devastating for that company. But man, as believers, service isn't just for the church. You, If you want to be a light in the world, go serve people and do things that you don't have to do. I remember I would always watch some of the teachers who I used to work with who are believers. And when they would go above and beyond and do the thing they didn't have to do, Mm -hmm. but serve others, it changes the culture and changes Mm -hmm. the environment. We've got five things to get through. Let's switch gears again. We. We're going to go back just and just not, do a podcast over like all it. these again. Uh, D-Chain and Jared, I want you to think. Have a, a time where someone's generosity just totally just flipped everything upside down in your life, where generosity came through and it was just something that was so impactful for you. Jared, I'm looking at you because I know your family just walked yeah, through this we, season. Yeah, we just uh, completed about seven months ago our adoption for our son, Weber. And um, that from the beginning was was a thing of faith and we – uh, we started, and I think the only thing, we were figuring this out the other day, one of the few things that we paid out of pocket ourselves was the application fee. Everything else was like a donation or something that someone gave, and it happened all so slowly. Um, and the first half of it happened over the course of about a year. And then we went ahead and matched with them, and our adoption agency said, just figure, just match or, or not, say yes or no, and then we'll figure out the rest of the of the the payment so matching meaning like that match you, with the you're child gonna, yeah you're so gonna we still owed just to, to put it out there we still owed like seventeen thousand dollars to our adoption agency and legal fees so uh they said just, just just figure it out just say yes or no to matching with the baby and then we'll figure out the funds so we matched with them we we got to the hospital met him it was incredible we got a phone call the next morning and they said hey it's going to be fifty five hundred dollars four days from now like as me as a provider felt like a failure, I wanted to, I wanted to have all of that money in the bank ready to go. And it was going to be once a month uh, for the next three months was going to be $5,500 due. And we just put on like Facebook and, you know, we called our parents and just said, this is the situation. And within three hours, we had the full amount that we needed for all of our expenses figured out. But I remember one of them, we had a family member um, who uh, my mom called me and said, hey, this person's coming over. Um, and we, she said she's been putting a little money away uh, every week when they go to the bank. Um, she said she thinks it's about $2,000 and she, we're going to, we're going to get it together. We're going to count it. And 
my mom called me and she goes, she wasn't keeping track. It's six thousand dollars. Wow. And she was like, she's gonna give it all to you. Wow. And we were just. I remember. Um, uh, this is it's it's so humbling. I remember holding Weber on the hospital bed, just in tears because this was not an amount that I could have just done on my own. Um, but someone's generosity was so was so humbling because I owed money, but someone's generosity put me in the positive, and it gave me gave me the ability to do what God had called us to do, and people didn't do that out of obligation. Like we we had little gifts and big gifts. There were people that gave ten dollars and people that gave you know thousands of dollars, and what we went back and realized was that that was a joy for those people. I don't. I hope no one gave out of obligation. I don't think they did, but it's a joy to be able to give. It's a joy to be able to, to be on both sides of it. It's an incredible thing to see. Um, and that doesn't happen without faith on both sides and trust in God. Um, so I would just say, keep saying yes to God, both in being generous and in receiving generosity. Because sometimes it's harder to be generous than it is to receive generosity. Yeah, I think uh, I'll take a different route for generosity. Because I feel like a lot of times when I think of generosity, I kind of correlate it with some sort of like financial monetary gain. But I think some of the best generosity alongside financial gain is uh, time. Um, I think of the season that me and Carolyn just walked through probably not too long ago. We were in on route to getting married and we had Dan and Sherry, um, a couple here who did our pre-marital counseling. They're the best. They're the best. Uh, or even the Millers who did our pre-engagement counseling. And, and they just gave their time. They cooked food for us. They spent time with us. And I'm like, wow, you, you didn't have to do that. And I know they do that for so many other students and, and just people in that stage. Or another time uh, is when I was a freshman in college and I was just running for whatever I thought would fulfill my heart. And two guys came into my life with Drew and Hayden, and these two guys spent time with me. They didn't have to spend time with some freshmen. They were older guys, and they would pick me up when I was drunk at a bar or whatever it was, and, and they showed Jesus to me. And that is probably one of the most important um, times in generosity anyone given to me because as time went on, Jesus worked through them, and uh, eventually I started following Jesus myself. So I was like, that's something I can't pay off. Yeah. So I was just grateful for that. One of the biggest lies you could ever believe is that you have nothing to offer. Mm -hmm. You have something to offer either financially, time-wise, skill-wise, whatever it may be. I'm always blown away up here at High Street when – like, we need the skills of such random things sometimes. We've needed people who do IT work. We've needed people who do woodworking, carpentry, uh, you name it. We've used, God has used, given people those skills, and we've seen them be used within the context of the church and outside of that. You have something uh, uh, to give for sure. Yeah, I think part of being generous is seeing what you have to give mm. and offering it to God, whether, whether you have an excess of it right now or not. And then two, asking God for more that you could give it away. Because I'm, I'm so impressed at people that have a skill, have something to give away, whether it's time or money, that they, they keep getting more of it because it's like God can't fill them up enough and they can't give it away fast enough because of how much God is giving them. And if you never take inventory of what you've got, you'll never give something. You've got to take inventory. And I, I think that that's your homework is take inventory of what you can give. Coco. You have something to add on that. Feel free to add it. But I do want to start asking you. Go ahead and add it, and then we'll go to the next Oh, one. I was just going to say, I think generosity is should be woven into the, the, the fabric of who we are as believers. Uh, because 
again, God was so generous in sending his son. So like any little thing that we can do makes a difference. And I think we should do that. Okay. Back to your, back uh, to the encouraging others. Okay. Coco, you're great at this. Oh, you, you yeah. pour into a lot of different people through our residency program and internship program here, but also just mm-hmm. in your life. It, encouragement is kind of a heartbeat in, within your family mm-hmm. dynamic. Why does it matter? Yeah. Um, well, thank you for saying that first of all, but, um, I think, I think encouragement is, is a gift we can give away and, uh, it's free. Like, I think that is so, that is something that, that we can do. And I think, you know, so many people are going through things, um, where literally a word can change the trajectory of their day. And so, um, you know, I think my prayer, every time I'm coming into the church on Sunday or Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm like, God, who am I supposed to talk to? And who am I supposed to encourage today? Because I know the difference that's made in my life when someone has stopped me. Last Sunday, a lady stopped me and was like, hey, I want you to know I appreciate you so much. That one sentence, I was like, oh, my word. She like what? She would say that to me and it like it changed my morning. I was like, wow, like that is crazy. Um, and so that's my prayer. Every time I come into the the office or um or to church to serve, and I'm like, I don't want to just come and just do my thing, like, or just talk to people. Like, God, how can I make an, an impact? How can I encourage someone today, maybe to take their next step, maybe to help them like take a step of faith, maybe they're just struggling. Um, I think it's just super, super important to encourage other people and when when we have felt that encouragement, it encourages us to keep doing it for other people. Yeah, I think uh, with encouragement, I think for, for myself, it's kind of a slower process because I think, I, I overthink. What if I'm, like, I'm not encouraging them with the, the right words? But it's funny, we have a ministry here called Power Packs that I get to be a part of, and it's serving uh, food bags to elementary school kids. And it was really when I started doing this, when I started kind of noticing how little words really encourage somebody, I would just see a little kid. I'm like, man, I love your shoes. And they're just like, you just see their whole dynamic change, like a spirit gets lifted. And I just remember that touched me because I was like, well, at the end of the day, every grown up we see and come across was a kid. And deep down still has probably this kid-like features because we have a father in heaven. And I was like, it doesn't have to be that crazy. It doesn't have to be over the top. Just something simple is like, man, I just hope you have a great day. And I just remember that was such a pivotal moment. Um, and who knew? Little kids will teach us stuff. I think one of the cool parts about uh, getting to sit down with you guys, this is uh, numero cinco, number five, we've made it, uh, talking friendships, is we, we, all, get to, we all get to serve together. But I don't know if y'all, like, if everyone out there listening, watching, we're like friends. This is one of the best things about our job is that like, to be. We're, we're friends <laughs> or at least yeah. acquaintances. No, we're friends. <laughs> we're friends. We're friends, friends. with each other. Um, and that is just such a blessing. But friendships add so much to your life. I would tell everyone out there, have as many friends as you can. Like, I think that sometimes we put, I actually saw someone ask the question of like, how many friends should you have? And it's like, as many as you can, you can't have enough friends, I don't think. But why do friendships matter? I, I mean, friendships are incredibly important. I mean, when you're going through any kind of transition, you don't know which way is up and you need friends to, to both keep you buoyed and to point you in the right direction. Um, I would say that Christians should be friend optimists. We should be people that like consider most people that they know to be their friends. Mm-hmm. That they should like. I believe that I'm. A, I would be there for them, so I want them to be there for me. Like 
that's how you create a friend. I remember some of my best friends were people that showed up in times of need, and I was like, I didn't think we had that relationship, but I guess they saw it, and they showed up for me, so they're my friend now, Mm -hmm. and I want to be that for other people and, like, help them with things that they need help with, encourage them, do all the things that we talked about. Um, I think that's the the value of friendship. Yeah, I think um, my dad said something in a sermon about um, how when we have a, you know, a group of friends, each friend brings something else out in us, which I love because it's like, man, when I'm around, I feel like when I'm around you guys, like you're you guys, funnier, we bring out a lot yeah, of humor. Like you, I actually was going to say you guys are funny and really awesome. Let so her talk me for more a little funny. bit. <laughs> Keep going. But, um, but it really does like, you know, different things come out of us and more empathy when I'm around other people, you know, I can have more fun with this group of people or whatever. And, um, and I think that's such a beautiful thing that like we can like continue to flourish and like be all that God has created us to be and a part of that is that friendship aspect of things um and it truly is a gift to have friends um because man like we we could do life alone but that's not fun at all and it's not like what we're supposed to do God created us for community and so to have people that you can have fun with the people you can um you know be serious with all the things matter so yeah. I, rem- I remember one time Jared uh, told a story about how uh, someone said who was quite a bit older than you, not too too much older than you, and they go, "Man, if you were the, if you were if we were like the same age, we'd be friends." And you were just like four years older than me. Yeah, that was the, that was the key. <laughs> but like, huh. yeah, that I, is a myth that you can only yeah. have friends that are That's your age. True. You need friends who mm-hmm. are older than you, uh-huh. and you need friends who are younger than you. I actually, before we were recording this, just saw um, a man in our church who is quite a, significantly older than I am. He's been a deacon, a long time member here. I look at him, I'm like, he's my friend yeah. though. And I think we need that mindset. Well, I think it's easy in our culture to devalue like, they're not my friend. They don't know me. We don't spend mm-hmm. this amount of time together. But I think being in Christian faith and being in, in a, a church, the body mm-hmm. of believers, we should be like, even though I don't get to spend time with them, when you read through 1 Corinthians 13 about love, you're like, I'm going to cover them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to see the, the best future for them, like choose to be, believe the best about them. That's friendship. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't spend time together, yeah. that's being a friend optimist where you're like, even though we don't spend time together, I choose. Don't write people off. Mm-hmm. Don't be like, yeah. no, no, we're not friends anymore. Mm-hmm. Man, that, I think that's such a like mental block yeah. that we have to like accepting people as friends that mm-hmm. just hurts us. It doesn't do us any good. Mm. Absolutely. And I, I think, Popular within songs and stuff right now is like no new friends and uh, keep your circle small. I can, I think there's a, a desire in that of like having boundaries with people and whatnot. And I think that that's somewhat appropriate, obviously, to have boundaries, but the, that's kind of like a negative mindset. Mm-hmm. We, we want new friends, mm-hmm. we want a big circle. Uh, yeah. You're going to be better uh, because of it. Yeah, I think God even gives us unnatural favor with people because mm-hmm. i i look at like there's the song old friends by ben rector mm-hmm. that's so good because it talks about such specific things like nobody knows me like they knew me like on my parents back porch like that's such a specific mm-hmm. memory that you think about like it's only my high school friends we were the ones who knew each other the most but i think having the common faith gives you mm-hmm. like we're good yeah we're good we believe we be- we have both shared the most common need of mm-hmm. christ and we need it, and we're in it together. Mm-hmm. And I think that gives you a bond that you can't get somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Even if you spent years together, yeah. you share Christ. You share that you have need, mm-hmm. and it gives you an unc- uncanny favor with people. And, I mean, if Jesus is a friend to us, we yeah. should be a friend 
uh, to others. And so I do love that Ben Rector song. And I peaked in high school, so it's been all downhill from um, from there. We know, I don't know that we it love was you much, anyway. Yeah, I don't know that it was much of a peak, but uh, it sure felt like it. So, um, But, y'all, that was the core five. We yeah, did it. Five topics, it. and I don't know how long that, that went. But um, thanks for watching another episode of uh, Open Mic. Stay on the lookout for some new episodes. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube uh, and follow along on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We'll see you all next time.